On this episode of Creepy Chisme, we will explore the strange disappearances of cruise line passengers. Is it foul play, murder, or do they choose to jump ship? I also give some wild updates as well as give my opinion on the most recent alien news. It's been too long, mi gente. Come join in if you dare. Hola mi gente, bienvenidos. I'm your host Lore and this is Creepy Chisme. Some stories and info are not suitable for all, especially young children. Listen at your own risk. Hola, mi gente. It is me, your host, Lore, back from a way too long hiatus. Forgive me. I was ending the school year. There was a lot going on at work, ceremonies, parties, end of the year stuff. Uh. I am so glad the school year is over. It was probably, honestly, the most difficult year I've ever had in my 14 years in education. Yeah. Kids are mean. They're angry. They're violent. It's really scary. I am scared for the future. I think we're going to have a lot of mental health issues. More than we do today. But I'm done. Hoping for a better year next year. How are you guys? It's been a while. I've had a lot go down (laughs) since we last spoke. I've had my niece graduate 8th grade. She's in high school. I cannot believe it. She too had a lot of the end of the year stuff like her choir concert and her skating. She does, um, I guess, is it called skating? You know, where the girls twirl and stuff? Yeah, she does that. (laughs) So she had that. I've had concerts I've been going to. I got to see Lizzo the other day. My God, she can sing her little heart out. She's also stunning and gorgeous. Then on my first day of actual summer vacation, I was fortunate enough to see my girl, Taylor Swift. Not once, but twice. Thank you, Papiringo. I am not lying. When I say that my manifesting skills have peaked, y'all, I manifested so hard to be able to go see Taylor a couple months ago, and the universe immediately provided. (laughs) I bought myself the ticket because I knew I was going to regret it. So thank you, universe, (laughs) for that beautiful gift. It was amazing. I went alone on the first night in Chicago, and it was amazing. (laughs) I screamed, I cried, I danced, I felt at peace, and I walked out of there feeling completely healed. Then I convinced my sister and niece to Taylor Gate near the stadium, and that was so much fun, until I got the crazy idea to just check out ticket prices, and if they were below a certain point, I was going to buy them. So I know, I'm insane and broke, and I will be eating ramen for the rest of the summer, but you know what? It was worth it. We bought our seats like 10 minutes before she came out. I'm telling you, it was worth it. That woman can sing 
and perform and put on a damn good show. I told my niece, she has to be an alien. Like, 44 songs, 3 hours, and 15 minutes of walking, running, jumping, back and forth on the biggest stage I have ever seen. And a very cool stage at that. I mean, how? How can a human do that? Honestly. <laughs> there was parts of the show where these, like, um, these giant lights would shoot up into the sky. And I looked at my niece and I was like, yep, she's an alien. <laughs> we had such a great time. My heart is healed. It was just a Taylor Swift weekend. Great way to start my summer. But yeah, I've been busy, busy, busy. Life hasn't been too kind to me lately either, though. We've had like bad news after bad news, it seems, in the family. So any good vibes sent our way would be greatly appreciated. So I'll have some more free time coming up, but I am going to make a change in the creepy cheesemist schedule. Now I'm going to be spending most of my summer with my nephew, who has now reached the terrible twos. And if you're a parent out there, then you know exactly what I mean. You cannot take your eyes off of him for more than 10 seconds, or you'll have flour thrown all over the kitchen. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely getting harder to work and edit while watching him, whereas in the past, he would nap three times a day and let me be while he watched his movies, and now he naps, if I'm lucky, once a day. <laughs> so yeah, little time to get stuff done. Now I have to keep him entertained like 24-7, not even joking. He's so mischievous and curious, not like we were. Me and my siblings, we were so good. But I do want to be honest with you guys, and so yeah, I will do my best. But do know, Creepy Chisme is not going anywhere. I worked too damn hard to get this podcast to where it is today, and I don't want it to end anytime soon. So I'm gonna do my best to still post bi-weekly. Remember, I am doing summer school as well, but that's like four hours of my day. So I'm going to, right now, I'm going to say bi-weekly. We're gonna still try for bi-weekly, but if not, just know that sometimes there may not be an episode put out or sometimes they'll be put out whenever I can get them out. I appreciate all of you, my listeners, that have still stuck through with me, even through my many breaks I've taken lately. But remember, we're human. Take care of yourself first. And don't overwork yourself. I hope you guys understand. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to shout out Ricky or Rico Tonio on Instagram, who won the Creepy Cheesemake giveaway. Congratulations, Ricky. Uh, your gift will be sent out very soon. I'm still waiting on one more thing. But yeah, everybody congratulate Ricky. I do plan to have another one maybe in the fall because, you know, the fall, that's that's my time. <laughs> Spooky season. It's Halloween time. Yes. So keep your eyes open for another Creepy Cheese Me giveaway. All right. Enough chitta chatta. Mi gente, but I couldn't help it. I have missed you guys and I'm glad to be back. But it is time for an updater story I've recently heard. Now I know y'all think I'm going to talk about the aliens that landed in Vegas. I will, but not in my update. Stay tuned to the end 
for an alien update with Lore. Anyway, um, yes, and also before I begin my update, my voice is a little strange, and that is because I have literally been dying from some type of cough for, like, I'm going on a month. Maybe two months at this point. It's been forever. I'm not sick. I have no other symptoms. I don't have a headache. I don't have congestion. I don't have anything wrong with my nose. It's just a cough. The doctor says it's allergies, but allergy medication doesn't help or work. And my whole family has been plagued by it. So whatever it was, was contagious. I don't think we are anymore because we've had it so long, but like my nephew has it. I have it. My dad, my sister, my mom, my niece had it. My brother's got it. Like it's crazy. I don't know what's going on. And then for a while, people in the news were saying like, oh, it's because of the forest fires, which, okay. I believed it for a week or two, but like it's been more than a month. So it's worse than COVID. Like I had COVID twice already and the cough didn't last this long. So I just wanted to be gone. But towards the end of the night, I start to like lose my voice and it's pretty late into the night tonight, but I need to get this recorded. So forgive me. But all right, it's that lovely time of year where many people love to enjoy their vacations and run to the coast, the beaches, and even more exciting, we are in the middle of the booming cruise time. Personally, I could never do a cruise because I think I told y'all recently I've discovered I have a huge fear of the ocean. Philosophobia, which I think that's what it's called. Yeah, I have that. Too much unknown and humans still want to play around like nothing can happen, but to each their own. But lately, the news has reminded me of how much I super do not ever want to go on a cruise, which also helped me inspire this episode, especially since I axed my last one that I was going to put out for you guys, but eh, maybe I'll come back to that one eventually. I just wasn't happy with it, and I'm not going to put anything I'm not happy with out. So yeah, so the most recent story that made my stomach flip was from a celebrity cruise on its way to Bermuda. Which, first of all, why would anyone book a cruise anywhere near Bermuda and the notorious Bermuda Triangle? Which is most known for sucking in airplanes and boats. But anyway, you see how I think? Like, I can't, I would never be caught flying over there. Uh, what do you call it when you're on a boat? sailing over there. Yeah, no thank you. But anyway, so on May 15th, the ship set sail from New Jersey, stopping in Bermuda, Charleston, South Carolina, Newport, and Rhode Island. Oh, and Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. Damn, that's a lot of stops. No wonder this happened. Well, 175 people on board were infected with norovirus. I'm sorry, more than 175 people on board. That's insane. Now, the outbreak happened to over 150 passengers and about 25 crew members. All had the virus, and they all experienced explosive diarrhea, abdominal cramps, vomiting, and headaches. Wow, what a shitty situation. <laughs> I couldn't help myself, sorry. So the CDC reported that the crew followed their intense cleaning procedures and disinfected the entire ship according to their outbreak prevention plan. You guys, outbreak prevention plan? This is not uncommon on cruise ships. Yeah, that's terrifying. 
viruses, sickness, plague these cruise ships. It happens more than you know, actually. I remember when COVID lockdowns happened, or they had just started, there was a cruise ship that was stranded for like two weeks because there were so many COVID cases, they had to quarantine the whole ship, and they were like running out of food and shit. But in reality, you're pretty much stranding a group of people on a ship together, which yeah, ships are huge, but in reality, all those people, you're in a pretty small space together. Pretty easy for a virus to infect a lot of people. Ugh, and getting sick on vacation is the worst. It's like wasted time because you spend your vacation sick and then you have to go right back to work. Another terrifying cruise ship story I recently heard and literally my nightmare come true was a ship got stuck in the middle of a really bad tropical storm. The Carnival Sunshine cruise ship was trapped in a really bad storm for 15 hours traveling between the Bahamas and Charleston, South Carolina. Now the storm had over 80 mile per hour winds and rocked the ship so severely it caused damage to parts of the ship's interior and also caused major flooding in some parts. I saw some videos on TikTok, I would have died <laughs> of a heart attack because have you ever seen the Titanic? Yikes. And that's also why I don't go on cruises. <laughs> Now, one passenger said that the captain made an announcement saying that there would be a, a delay due to adverse weather conditions, stating that they'd do everything they could to minimize the discomfort. What the fuck? How did people not panic? <laughs> the passenger said the night was rough, cups and plates and furniture were thrown about the ship, and... By morning, they couldn't even see anything due to the high winds. Giant swells were hitting the ship over and over. Everyone had to wear life vests. I hope so, jeez. <laughs> Why would you argue that? One passenger said the power of the waves hitting the ship made it feel like they were on a never-ending roller coaster. Everything was falling off the walls and breaking. People were throwing up everywhere and trying to sleep in areas in the center of the ship, but you could still feel the awful motions. The ship ended up reaching its destination around 7.30 a.m., but due to terrible weather, they still couldn't dock until later that evening. I believe it was like around 5 when they finally got to dock. So after the fiasco, the cruise line gave a statement stating that they didn't foresee the storm being as bad as it got. Weather changes all the time, and they attempted their best using their technology to keep the ship safe. Okay then. Apparently, even after everything, no one was seriously or severely injured. Pretty amazing, honestly. There's a lot of videos online from passengers, and honestly, I don't know that any of them will ever get on a cruise ship again. I mean, I wasn't even on it, and I'm just like, more justification as to why I'm never stepping foot on a cruise. In looking into this story, I realized this is just common. Going through storms, getting stuck in bad weather, viruses, food poisoning. I mean, yeah, it's not looking good for uh, a cruise in my near future. <laughs> then this last story that inspired me to pull this topic out of the creepy Cheesmith vault. I've always known I wanted to cover this, but with the recent news stories on cruise ships, there's no better time than now. You might know this story I'm going to talk about. It's been all over the news and all over TikTok and social media. 
I'm talking about the recent disappearance of Cameron Robbins. He was an 18-year-old boy who was celebrating his high school graduation aboard a Sunset cruise ship. It's alleged that some friends dared him to jump ship with the promise of throwing him a life saver so that he could get back on right away. They were near Athol Island in the Bahamas last week, and there is footage of Robbins jumping into the water. Now, because it's night, the water's dark, but you can see him because the light from the ship reflects off of his body. You also can see the lifesaver that's thrown in near him, and as he attempts to swim towards it, he then quickly turns away and tries swimming in the opposite direction. But why does he do this? This is the big debate with this story, and also why I've invested way too many hours on TikTok looking into it. But before I get into that, Robbins goes out of frame and falls into complete darkness. So in the video footage, that of course is blurry, right? Every time, every single time. Um, I described him and the lifesaver, right? But to the left corner of the video, you see what looks like a splash or wave. However, many claim it's clearly a shark fin and a shark tail. Now, at first I was like, come on people. But then more people started dissecting the video. So it looks like a shark pops up on the left side. And then when he's swimming to the lifesaver, you see him just stop abruptly and turn around as if something spooks him. And then you see something pop up near his foot, like another splash. Cruise members say that the waters in that area are shark infested. Tiger sharks and bull sharks, two of the most aggressive, inhabit those waters. They stay near the boats and ships because a lot of times people throw food to them. So is it possible he was attacked and taken down by sharks? Absolutely. I also saw this TikTok of a guy who jumped into the water near the same area in the daytime. As soon as he makes a splash, a bull shark swims up and then another one comes up on the other side. So that really helped me realize that yeah, most likely he was pulled down by sharks. Now, the Coast Guard searched for two days but called off the search because they found no evidence. Some say the current took him away, which it does kind of look like he's quickly pulled away, but others say, nope, it was definitely a shark. I even saw somebody like put like that negative footage over the video and you can see a full figure, not of a shark, but like a figure where the splash is in the left side corner of the video. And you can also see a figure by Cameron on the upper right side of the video. That also helped me determine, yeah, something's going on. Most likely we will never know what happened. And this story leads me into the mysterious disappearances of cruise ship passengers. Oh yes, it's time to get creepy. Today we're exploring the mystery of cruise ship disappearances. Every year, approximately 30 million people take cruises, and in the past 20 years, there have been about 400 people who have mysteriously vanished from those ships. Which, in years, is not that high, right? Since it's over like a 20-year period. But still, 
what the fuck? How do you disappear off a cruise ship, right? Other than being thrown over or choosing to jump ship, I really don't understand (laughs) what could happen. Today, I'm going to share some of the most mind-bending missing person stories with you. So here we go. So we begin with the story of Amy Lynn Bradley. In March of 1998, Amy and her family booked a trip on the Royal Caribbean cruise known as the Rhapsody of the Seas. Now, Amy was 23 years old. She had just graduated from Longwood University, and she was set to begin working that fall at a computer consulting firm. On the trip were her parents and brother Brad. So the ship left port on March 21st, 1998, and just three days later, the Bradley's family would forever be changed. It was during the early morning hours of March 23rd. Amy and Brad spent the night partying in the Mardi Gras club on the ship. That night, a band known as Blue Orchid was playing. And this is important because Amy was last seen on surveillance dancing in the club with one of the band members known as Yellow. Amy and her brother decided to leave the club and head back to their room where they enjoyed the room balcony as it had started to become light and I guess they wanted to catch the sunrise. Now, Amy began dozing off in her chair, and her brother decided to call it a night. He, too, was falling asleep. Now, the last known physical sighting of Amy was by her father around 5.15 a.m. He says he saw her sleeping peacefully in one of the deck chairs and left her there. He thought nothing of it and went on his way, which I will say, if I was ever on a cruise, I would love to sleep on the deck, which is scary, right? Because you could roll off, but I'm too big. I won't fit through the bars. <laughs> the sound of water. I don't want to see it, but like the sound of the water is calming to me. Anyway, anyway. So by 6 a.m., the family realized she wasn't there anymore. She had disappeared from the cabin. Now, the dad knew immediately something was wrong because Amy wasn't the type to just up and leave without letting them know. The only thing missing other than Amy was her lighter and a pack of cigarettes. This piece is key in showing that if she left the cabin, she didn't plan on being gone that long. After not returning to the cabin, the Bradleys quickly notified the crew and asked that they please not dock until everyone on board was alerted that Amy was missing. But like in most of these crew stories you're going to hear today, the crew's lines act really funny and give major shade. Even after the Bradleys begged the ship, the ship continued on and ended up docking at Curacao. No alert or message or notification was ever given to the other 2,000 passengers or guests on board. However, at 7.50 a.m., a brief announcement asking Amy to come to a specific area to meet her family was made. She never showed. Later, the crew searched the ship and parts of the island as well. The Coast Guard got involved and eventually the FBI, but nothing ever came of it. Amy Bradley had vanished without a trace. And that's it. That's how the case was left. As you'll see, with many of the cruise ship missing persons cases, right away the alleged suicide, right? But Amy's family says absolutely no way in hell would Amy have done that. Now the reason this case caught my attention is not only how she just vanished from her family cabin, but it's what happens after her disappearance. Many theories have surfaced around Amy missing And one is outright terrifying. Years after she disappeared, many claimed to see Amy 
around the islands, all in the same area. Because of this, it's highly believed that she was kidnapped and sold into sex trafficking. In August of 1998, just five months after Amy vanished, a Canadian tourist said he saw an English-speaking woman who was carefully being watched and manhandled by two other men. Now, the men clearly wanted the tourist to be interested in the woman. At the time, the tourist did not know Amy's story, but after he read about it, he knew immediately that the woman he saw was Amy. The reason he was so sure was because Amy had very distinct tattoos. She has a Tasmanian devil spinning a basketball on her shoulder, a sun on her lower back, a Chinese symbol on her right ankle, and a lizard near her navel. Such 90s tattoos. <laughs> but the man's right. Very distinct tattoos. Later, in January 1999, a U.S. Navy officer paid a visit to a brothel on the Caribbean island, where a woman begged him for help. He described her, and the description fit perfectly. However, oh, however, due to this man's pride... He did not report this incident until years later after he retired. Reason being, he didn't want to get in trouble because he wasn't supposed to be at a brothel, so he kept this story to himself. How can you... If a woman is literally begging you to help her, come on, that makes me angry. By the time he reported it, though, the brothel had already been burned down many years. Now, another tourist came forward named Judy Maurer. She claims that she saw Amy in a public restroom in 2005. She said the woman was in her 30s and shared that her name was Amy and she needed help. But then abruptly two men came into the bathroom and removed her and went off. None of these sightings led to anything, but it did confirm that she may well have been taken against her will. Now, the FBI still has her listed as lost on their website, but she was legally declared dead on March 24th, 2010. Now, a little more proof that she may have been taken was that cruise ship photos taken of the Bradleys and Amy individually also were missing. When the Bradleys return from Aruba, like on most cruises, passengers take a cruise line photo when they get off or get back on at whatever destination they're at. However, Amy's individual photo was missing from the family photos. When the photographer was asked what happened to the picture, he simply stated he couldn't remember. So this has led the Bradley family and many others to theorize that the crew was also in on the kidnapping too. But that's not all. Her family said another reason they think the crew was in on it was because from the moment they boarded, the crew and staff were overly friendly and attentive to Amy's needs, constantly checking on her, getting her whatever she needed. One guy in particular gave Amy the creeps. He was really, like, after her. He invited her here and there, and one time he even invited the whole family to join him on Aruba when they got to it. But, of course, they did not. And then there's how the crew reacted to the family asking the ship to not go until a thorough search was made. I mean, the captain of the ship refused sharing Amy's photo to the passengers. And the strangest thing also was Brad, the brother... He said that Douglas, a.k.a. Yellow, the guy from the band playing The Night She Went Missing, came up to him saying sorry about what happened, even though 
only the family and security knew anything. Later in 2005, photos of a sex worker named Jazz were sent to the Bradleys claiming the resemblance to Amy was very clear. However, nothing ever came of this either. Due to all of the sightings, the FBI has left the case open, even though she's been declared legally dead. If you or anyone has any information to the whereabouts of Amy Bradley, please report on the FBI government page. The Caribbean is a high tourist attraction. It's the place where a lot of cruises go and a lot of cruises stop. So just be careful of your surroundings on the ship and off the ship if you are venturing into that area. This next story is about a couple that vanished off of a carnival cruise ship in 2005. This story is heartbreaking. I mean, well, they all are, but this one is about an elderly couple who were gifted a seven-day cruise to celebrate Mother's Day. Hugh Pham, who was 71, and Hugh Tran, who was 67, had been married 49 years. Wow. On May 12, 2005, the couple vanished on their Caribbean Sea cruise between Barbados and Aruba. Hmm, what is it about this area? Makes you wonder, right? Now, the couple was not alone. One of their daughters and granddaughters were with them, so one of the family members found the couple's shoes on one of the decks but neither of the two were anywhere around. Now, what makes this story stand out to me is that in 1975, Hugh Pham and Hugh Tran, along with a few other family members, fled Vietnam by floating on a small raft for two weeks in the Pacific. They had little water and food, but they survived. They came to America. They built a whole new life. How terrifying. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's so terrifying. So yeah, and now here they are once again on the ocean, but for pleasure and relaxation, and yet now they've gone missing. So the family on board quickly notified the crew, who did help search the ship. However, they waited over four hours to alert the U.S. Coast Guard. And on top of that, it took over several hours to conduct an intense search of the ship almost like they do not remember how crucial the first hour is when someone goes missing. I hate the whole wait and see game. It's ridiculous. However, the search found no trace of what happened to the couple. One of the sons of the couple said that his parents were happy, healthy, had no financial issues. They were at the happiest point in their lives. There was absolutely no way they would have jumped ship together. Really sad because after 13 hours of the Coast Guard searching, the search was called off. Like in our last story, the family feels as if the crew intentionally tried to cover up what happened. They felt they were neglected and the crew was more concerned with moving on and carrying on as usual. The Carnival Cruise Line took no responsibility for this incident, which is really sad because they're like one of the largest companies in the cruise line industry. Hugh Pham and Hugh Tran were both concluded to have jumped overboard, but their families highly disagree. How can not one, but two people just vanish? And elderly. Like, other than for money or ransom, why would anyone hurt them? This one just really confuses me. I would like to look more into this one because one of their daughters says that there was evidence kept from them that may help shed light onto what happened to the couple. But also, I'm thinking 
if they were taken against their will, don't leave shoes behind, right? Why, why the shoes? Why were the shoes left behind? Now, in this case, I truly feel someone definitely attacked them and may have thrown them overboard. But why? Other than maybe a hate crime, I have no idea. It makes no sense. The fact they were elderly, I don't think anyone would want them for labor or sex, whatever. So what happened? If you have any information on this story or incident, please look at internationalcruisevictims.org and search the victims' names. This site also takes donations to help other families such as the Hugh Fam and Hugh Tran family. They have brief stories about the victims and they cover injuries, illnesses, of course, the missing persons cases, and really any other mistreatment or crimes. You can also give your story to them so they can share. Not a bad place to research if you plan on taking a cruise. I think you can even view which cruise lines have more issues, so definitely check the website out. That's internationalcruisevictims.org. So two cases where the cruise lines just aren't very concerned and just continue on. Now, I do understand if someone is missing an hour or two, maybe they'll come back, so don't be alarmed. But it wouldn't hurt to immediately make an announcement. Like, what is an announcement going to do to any one of the other passengers? And yes, there are thousands more people who crew, who the crew needs to continue to attend to but imagine how panicked the family of the victim is. Be sympathetic. Just a little sympathy, y'all. So our next case is that of Annette Meisner, who, in December 2004, was on a nine-day cruise with her parents and teenage daughter. They were on board, once again, a carnival cruise line named Carnival Pride. So the ship was 30 miles off the coast of Ensenada, Mexico, on December 4th. It was headed to Long Beach, California, and was set to arrive the next day. However, this night, December 4th, Annette was last seen at 9.15 p.m. Now, the details of her disappearance are full of confusion, and honestly, it angers me, and you'll see why. So, on most cruises by the end, people make friends. I mean, you see the same people over an extended period of days, so, by the last day, Annette had made friends and enjoyed their company. So, most of the day, Annette and her daughter spent time together. She only had about two to three drinks the entire day. Annette was also a part of a Hilton group photo, looking happy and healthy. That afternoon, Annette also participated in a treasure hunt while snorkeling, and she won. Here's where shit gets strange. So she was last seen with a crew member around 9.30 p.m. in the ship casino. She had been seen on more than one occasion spending time talking with this crew member who was later questioned by authorities. But he outright lied to the FBI more than once. First, he lied about the time frame in which he was with Annette. It wasn't until they saw on surveillance that he, along with another man in a suit, were seen talking to her. I want to note, the man in the suit is a well-known cruise traveler on the same line. So it was overheard by another guest that the man in the suit, the crew member, and Annette were talking about bingo. 
This crew member usually sat next to Annette for bingo, stating that he was kind of like her good luck charm because she had won two or three times that he sat next to her. So she was kind of like, you're going to sit next to me, right? And he was like, yeah, sure. So that was the plan. And bingo, I believe, started at 10 p.m. Now, in order to get to the bingo room, you have to walk through the casino. So had Annette gone to bingo, you clearly would have seen her walk through. But she did not. And neither did her good luck charm. He too did not attend bingo. Now, even though the FBI has this information, the couple who came forward to give info about the conversation about the bingo game were never fully questioned. So when Annette did not show for the bingo game, which by the way, had the largest pot of any day, so she would not miss it, <laughs> her parents became worried. She was reported missing and a handful of crew began searching. An hour later, around 11 p.m., Annette's beaded purse was found next to a three-foot railing on one of the lower decks. I'm not too familiar with, like, railings on cruise ships, but three feet kind of seems short to me. <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, her family says that she would not have been on that deck because it was a smoking deck and a deck and Annette did not smoke. But even crazier is that some of the beads had been snipped off of the purse. Also, the purse would later be discovered to have been wiped down because there was no DNA on it at all. But this was also never looked into. Then, a security camera in that location had been knocked out. That's suspicious. Come on, FBI. So these are all evidence that could have helped solve what happened, but not taken seriously by the crew and authorities. Some other key details to know are a cup only given to kids and crew members on the ship was also found in the area near the purse. Oh, and I forgot to mention, the purse, the cup, were all found by her family, not the crew. In fact, when the purse was found, the family asked the crew to block off the area, but they didn't. So people were just walking through a possible crime scene. A notepad that Annette used to write down potential clients for her job was also found in the area. And even though they assumed she went overboard, the captain refused to drop any rescue boats. It wasn't until three hours later that they finally dropped a rescue boat and only because the Coast Guard recommended that they do that. Now, the water in that area that night was 60 degrees. Had the captain sent search and rescue immediately, they possibly could have saved her life. Annette's case was ruled an accident, stating she just had way too much to drink and fell overboard. But remember, she was sober enough to win a snorkeling competition, so I don't think she was that drunk. And her family doesn't think so either. At first, the FBI concluded foul play was involved, but then they all of a sudden changed their story and said they really didn't know what happened. Now, a few years before the cruise, Annette filed for bankruptcy. And this, of course, was used as the key evidence that she took her own life. Annette's family says absolutely not, no way. In July of 2005, she was legally declared dead. Due to how things were handled, Annette's husband sued the Carnival Cruise Line for over $15,000 in damages, 
which honestly doesn't seem like a lot of money. That's really sad. I'm not sure what came of it. If anyone has any information about Annette Meisner's disappearance, please contact the FBI in Los Angeles, California. There are many, many cases, and they all seem to end the same way. I'm going to share one more with you because I do want to get into a topic that I'm sure some of you are waiting for. <laughs> Our last case we're going to mention today is the Marion Carver case. But before I tell you about that, I do want to mention briefly a case that stood out to me the most, but I didn't want to cover because one, it could be its own episode. Two, they've done a lot of documentaries on this one, um, but it's a good one because it does involve Disney. So let me just give you like a little brief about Rebecca Coriam. Now in 2011, Rebecca was a crew member aboard the Disney Wonder Cruise ship. I could honestly do an entire episode, like I said, about all the information with this case. Now her case was highly publicized. It's Disney, of course it was. But we all know how Disney hates bad press and would literally do anything to get rid of it, as in this case. Now, Rebecca was from England. She was 24 and was a childcare worker on the cruise. She was last seen on surveillance at 5.45 a.m. talking on a phone that the crew used to make internal phone calls. What's odd, though, is she seemed very upset, so whoever she was talking to, it wasn't a good conversation. She was also wearing clothing that was way too big for her, giving the impression that it was maybe men's clothing. She hangs up the phone and walks out of frame, and that's the last time she's ever seen again. Here's the thing with her case. Disney cruises are well known to have plenty of security cameras around everywhere, covering every part of the ship. Yet when asked to search for footage of Rebecca, all of a sudden, some cameras didn't work and were messed up. Then there's a secret life that she was living full of drug abuse and love triangles. Is it true? I don't know. Is it another ploy? I don't know. Then there's the handling of her search by the cruise line and the Coast Guard. It was a mess and little to no clues were ever found. Now Disney did fly out her family. They gave them the whole five-star Disney treatment. However, the theory they gave, you ready for this? Was that a very large wave must have swept her off of deck five. But the family was super confused when they went to deck five and noticed it was a crew swimming pool area with guard walls that stood almost six feet tall. So that would have had to have been a big fucking wave, okay? Now the reason for this theory was one of her sandals was found on deck five. The biggest flaw with this theory is there was no storms in the area that day to cause waves that big and it was calm waters. Also, I believe, um, I didn't jot this down, but in the documentary, I think the, the sandal that they found, it wasn't even like her size. Her family was like, oh, this is not her size. And Disney was like, no, it's her sandal. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> The family hired a private investigator, interviewed other crew members. Some stated that Disney knows what happened. It has to be on surveillance and that phone call was definitely recorded because they recorded all the phone calls. Like I said, the story is wild and I highly recommend you watch 
The documentary called The Rebecca Corium Disappearance, it's from 2019. There's just so much more fucked up shit to this story. Very good. Go check it out. All right, so Marion Carver was a 40-year-old woman who disappeared (laughs) from the Royal Caribbean cruise to Alaska in August of 2004. Her story is fucked up, okay? Now, she was traveling alone. Her steward, is that what you call it? Steward? Stewardess? It's a a man, so steward? (laughs) Her steward reported her missing five days straight to their supervisor and the supervisor was just like just do your job and forget it that's what he said at the end of the cruise when marion never returned to her room to pack her belongings the cruise line officials simply boxed up her belongings and even disposed and donated some of them the cruise line made no attempt to contact the fbi her family. Her room had not been touched in over five days. Now, Marion Carver was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and she was a banker who enjoyed writing and traveling. She was a super adventurous person, and she just loved to travel. She was divorced, and at the time of her disappearance, she lived alone. She had a 13-year-old daughter who was actually spending the summer in England with her dad. Marion always checked in with her daughter at least once a day. So she boarded a plane from Boston to Seattle on August 27th. She didn't tell anyone, though, that she was going on a cruise or what she was doing. She simply just packed a bag and went. So this kind of does make it look a little suspicious, okay? Now, Marion decided to get on the Royal Caribbean Celebrity Mercury cruise ship in Seattle that was bound for Alaska. The cruise ship was huge. It had 12 decks and held 2,000 passengers. This wasn't the first time she went on a cruise. Some cruise guests said that Marion joined a party that was going on, and although she seemed very hesitant to strike up conversation with them, she was very keen on allowing people to approach her and talk to her. She ended up returning to her cabin. So she was on the ninth floor. It had a panoramic deck view. Wow. She wrote in her journal, and when the steward entered, she asked for some towels, which he then gave her. The next day, passengers seen Marion roaming around, writing in her journal. Now, her daughter tried to call her the night before, but there was no cell reception. So Marion decided to stay in her room, read a book, and skip out on that night's party. On the second day of the cruise, it was Saturday, around 8 to 8.30 sometime, the ship steward entered her room. Now, the steward was confused because there was a big formal event taking place and everyone was there. So he asked her if she was going to attend, to which she replied, no, she was not. He apologized for entering her room without knocking. He assumed she wasn't in there and that was the last time anyone saw Marion. The last thing she said to the steward was if he could help her order room service, to which he did. Now, the room service order, it kind of confuses her family because she didn't order just one sandwich. She ordered two sandwiches. But I'm not going to judge, right? She's on vacation. Maybe she wanted two sandwiches. (laughs) But it is interesting. She did eat She put the food plates on the outside of her door. 
She also left some money aside for the steward and she went to bed. Because the money was left on the table for the steward the next morning, it's clear that she was expecting to wake up and see the steward to give them the tip, right? However, the next morning the steward arrives, takes the dishes Marion left, but Marion is not in her room. The steward became suspicious because she was not in her room and even searched for her on the ship and that's when he grew concerned and went to his supervisor. Now the supervisor called the steward to his office and asked him to sign an NDA, which is quite strange, right? Now if you don't know what that is, which you should, it's a legal binding contract that ensures confidentiality between two parties. Pretty much, it's like, don't say shit. You're not allowed to say shit if anybody asks you. Now, Marion's dad said that they have emails revealing the process of covering up her disappearance. So the first big thing is they wanted to know if anybody checked her onboard accounts. Did she make any purchases? The answer, no. She made no purchases. Then her father asked if he could have her CPAS data and photo, which they claimed was already sent. He never received it. Then he asked if they had checked all security cameras and they said, we're looking into it. Never heard anything. After a week, Marion's daughter had not heard from her mother and grew very concerned. That's when she spoke to her grandfather who then took over and tried calling Marion and got no response as well. Now remember, they don't know where she's at because she didn't tell anybody she was going on a cruise. She didn't tell anybody she was on a trip. So they keep trying to contact her cell, her, yeah, her cell and her apartment landline. Ooh, the good old days, the landline. But no response. Now, on the ship, like I said, for five days, the steward knew something was wrong. The tip money still sat on the table Nothing had been touched. Nothing had been changed. She was not sleeping in her room. He knew she was alone on the ship. Something was wrong. And every day he went to talk to his supervisor, the supervisor just brushed him away and said, don't worry about it. The FBI got involved three weeks after her disappearance, and they continue to call the Cambridge police, but nothing happens. Police were able to access Marion's bank account and discover that she had purchased a ticket for an Alaskan cruise. This is when her family discovers she was on a cruise. Now, the family hired a private investigator because shit was shady. Okay. So the private investigator, he decides to book a cruise on the same ship two months later. While on the ship, he talks with the claims manager he is told that the cabin attendant wasn't on that ship anymore. He was put on another ship. He was also told that the supervisor was never available. The only person willing to talk to him was the claims manager. They get no confirmation that Marion ever got off that cruise ship. So on the ship, the private investigator discovers that she was on the ninth floor. If you took the elevator and went just two floors up, you would be on the deck and near the ship's edge. If you took the elevator down to the sixth floor, the first thing you'd see is the deck and the edge of the ship. Two places you could easily be pushed over. The windows in her room on the ninth floor 
were latched and bolted and it was impossible to open the windows. He asked to see security footage, but they also said it deletes every two weeks, so too late. He also asked to speak to security, but they refused because they were training new employees. The only thing the investigator got out of the ship and the crew were more questions and concerns than answers. So Marion's dad, getting no information from their private investigator, decides to write a letter to the cruise line's chairman and board of directors, saying pretty much that the way this is being handled is bullshit. A month later, he gets a copy of a security report so the report that was filed on September 30th and written by the manager of security pretty much stated that company regulations had been violated, that the ship's captain, the security, and the security office should have been notified the second Marion vanished. According to this report is where they find out that Marion's possessions should not have been relocated and used as evidence. It should have been left alone. With no answers given, to Marion's father, he ends up filing a lawsuit against the cruise line for being careless and negligent. It became a public case in August 2005, and the cruise line makes a statement declaring that Marion is dead. They told Ken that they checked the footage, which they claimed had been removed since the start of the investigation, and that after watching it, she clearly jumps overboard. The letter given by the cruise line said, Miss Carver had severe emotional problems and had attempted suicide before and appears to have committed suicide on our ship. The death of Marion Carver is a horrible tragedy, but regrettable. There is very little a cruise line, a resort, or a hotel can do to prevent someone from committing suicide. This is very strange to her father. How could a cruise line imply that someone had mental health issues without actually knowing? She attempted suicide before? How do they know this? If it was a suicide, where's the evidence? If you claim you saw it on your surveillance, how could you not save that and or record it or whatever you needed to do? How can they think that the family would accept this conclusion? Marion's father, along with other victims of missing persons from cruises, bond together and form the International Cruise Victims page that I told you about. Their goal is to make cruise lines responsible for not taking the necessary actions to these missing person cases. In 2015, almost a decade after Marion's disappearance, Senator Blumenthal of Connecticut and Senator Markey of Massachusetts introduced the Cruise Passenger Protection Act of 2015. This act ensures that improvements have been implemented since cruise lines have been held accountable for reporting crimes and crime prevention on the seas. Honestly, I truly think somebody knows what happened to this woman. Whether she jumped, whether she was pushed, whether she got into some type of trouble, now, if the steward is telling the truth, she definitely sounded as though she was in her feelings. She didn't want to attend parties. She wasn't very social. Um, that doesn't sound like someone who's trying to enjoy a cruise. I think she was trying to get away from something. Do I think she took her own life? Absolutely not. Especially if she was journaling. I'm sure she would have left a note or something. I don't know. Again, another case where I have absolutely no idea. 
Regardless, in all of these missing person cases, whatever happened to the missing people, it definitely was a tragedy. And there's no denying that. Missing person cases always are, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like, I will never get over the fact that people can just disappear and nobody knows what happened to them. Now, cruise ships are the ideal place if you're trying to get rid of somebody, right? Oh God, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> you're out on the ocean. Nobody would ever know. Do I think cruise ships should have more security cameras? Absolutely. Every single corner, every single part of that ship should have a camera within its view. And there's no excuses anymore because we've got those rotating cameras now, those 360 angles, no excuses, okay? But like I said before, if you take a cruise, just watch your surroundings on the ship and off the ship. Don't be so trusting, even if you see the same person five days in a row. Be careful, y'all. All right, before we leave today, y'all know that I'm not going to go without talking about what happened this week. Many of you sent <laughs> me links, videos, articles, and I just, we got to talk about it. What happened in Vegas? Now, the story was released this week, but this actually happened at the end of April, beginning of May. So what happened was um, the Las Vegas police have recently released body cam footage and 911 audio of officers responding to a call from a family who claimed that a UFO crashed in their backyard. Sorry, my dog's walking in the back. <laughs> you can hear their toes. Now, according to ABC News, a family called 911 on May 1st to report something crashed in the backyard. And they saw non-human creatures. In the call, the caller says that he, his father, and his brother were in their large backyard working on their truck. When something crashed, they felt the impact. Quote, we just see in the corner of our eye something fall down from the sky and it was with light. And when it hit down, there was like a big impact and we felt like an energy. And then we hear like a lot of footsteps near us. And then we have like big, a big equipment and we see there's a, there's like an eight foot person beside it and another one's inside and it has big eyes and it's looking at us, end quote. This is what the caller tells the 911 dispatcher. They're very large. They're like eight, nine, ten feet tall. Now, what makes this story believable is that 30 minutes before this phone call came in, an officer catches on his body cam a strange green light shoot across the sky. So the officers that respond to this residence were a bit hesitant to visit. I will say though, it took almost 30 minutes for the officers to show up. If I'm on patrol and somebody calls like this, I'm there in seconds. <laughs> so 30 minutes is a long time. And of course, when they show up and search the property, no sign of any creatures. They also found nothing to prove that anything was ever there. Now recently, the House Oversight Committee is about to have a hearing on UFOs or UAPs, right? They have recently came out and said that they claim that they have found crashed alien spacecrafts and they are in custody of them. They have them. They even have a whole program 
focused on recovering debris from crashed non-human origin spacecrafts, and they're attempting to reverse engineer the technology. Some Republican senators have claimed skepticism with this idea on the fact that U.S. government have recovered alien space ca- spacecraft debris. Um, in the body camera footage, the officer is clearly shaken, as well as the people. They look like they saw a ghost. Like, they are terrified. Son Mexicanos, so I believe my people. They don't lie, okay? But I also have an issue with everyone's like, where's the evidence? How did they not take a photo? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, I know my people took a photo. They took a video, okay? I'm pretty sure the government's not gonna let them keep it on their phone. Now, I couldn't find another article that said this, but I have been looking into the story for a couple days and I heard somebody say that I don't even know who, like who, <laughs> who is in charge of when shit like this happens. I'm assuming the government, right? Well, the government has been going to their house a few times and even speaking to people in the neighborhood. Uh, I guess a lot of people saw the thing shoot across the sky. And then it's just odd that after that happened, they called about these creatures. There's also a video going around um, that the family took where you can see a shadow figure of the creature. Uh, Do I believe it? No. (laughs) It doesn't look real to me. But yeah, I definitely think there's video out there. I'm a little bit shocked that they claim that they're 8 foot, 9, 10 foot tall creatures. You know, it it just doesn't make sense. (laughs) If it's something that crashed into their backyard, it would have left a mark or something because that craft has to be big enough to hold two eight-foot beings or let's say eight-foot. It has to be a big craft. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, The other day I had a listener ask me if I knew why they call them UAPs now, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, and I I know I've talked about this before with you guys, how I hate calling them UAPs, but the reason they do so is because a lot of what we're finding, and I think what we're going to hear more of, and the reason they have this program now that are going to study fallen debris, right? Non-human fallen debris, um, is because we're starting to notice, or they're going to tell us, that a lot of these things we see in our skies or people who have experienced UFO sightings, it's not a spaceship, okay? Think about those Chinese weather balloons, right? We all, not we all, but like a lot of people were seeing stuff in the sky that they can't explain. And so, yeah, so they decided to, instead of calling them unidentified flying objects, UFO is so tied with spacecraft, spacecraft ships, you know, UAP is more general. So I think that's why we're headed that way. Um, A lot of times I, in UFO videos that seem real to me, (laughs) Um, it's not like a big old mothership. It's a tiny little tiny something, right? But where do they come from? Don't forget, the government has said there is a giant mothership in our orbit or in in orbit in our solar system. So are they sending little things to us? I don't know. It makes a lot of damn sense, right? Like why would we, if we found, okay, how can I explain this? If we found a planet and we're like, whoa, there is life on the planet. People are living. You think we would just take a ship and get down there and be like, hey, what's up? No, they could fucking kill us. Would we send a satellite or a drone? Yes, that makes more sense, right? So that's how I see it. That's how I see the reason why these little tiny things shoot across our sky 
I've seen a couple, y'all know. <laughs> but yeah, enough alien chatter. Um, I'll save that for another time. Thank you for joining me. This has been fun. <laughs> kind of felt a little weird to be back here recording with you. I am going to enjoy my night with my niece. We're going to have a fire, roast some marshmallows, you know, do the summer shit. Remember, you guys, follow me on social media. Follow me on TikTok, where I've been posting regularly again. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook groups. Share your stories with our community. Share your stories with me. Email me at creepycheesme for you. That's the number 4YOU at gmail.com. Please, I want to read them. I love spooky stories. Hopefully, we will be speaking very soon. Gracias por escuchar. Y nos vemos pronto. Creepy Chisme is created for entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, stay creepy and spread the chisme. Adios, mi gente. Oh, my God.